0: Welcome, everyone, to the Cut for Time podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Jacob, and we love that in the midst of your day, whatever you're doing, whether you're at the office or you're dropping off kids at this place and that place, you chose to take some time to listen to this podcast. We love that. Today, I'm sitting down with Adam Weber. We're in the midst of a series called The Heart of Embrace, and it is such an exciting series because this series is really all about what our church is all about. If you're tuning in for the first time, there's honestly not a better time for you to be tuning in to this podcast. Cut for time, basically what we're doing is we're just going deeper into what the message was about last week, things that uh, maybe were cut that we didn't have enough time to talk about, but uh, Adam and I were just talking, the messages have been kind of long, so maybe it's a little more ad for time. And it's not ad so for much, time.
1: It's ad for not time. Not so much
0: cut for time. <laughs> Because there's been so much great content in the messages, so we're just going to go even deeper into that. So let's start this conversation. Adam, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's awesome to sit down with you, Jacob. I'm grateful uh, for this. And and this is something, I, I say this every time. I've really, really enjoyed these episodes, specifically the weeks that I'm not being interviewed, just to hear about the things that were left out, the things that we didn't have time to jump into, maybe even random tangents that we wanted to address that we it just didn't make the message. And so it's been really, really uh, just awesome. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm grateful for you.
0: I'm excited for this too. This is my first time doing this. I'm not gonna lie. I went downstairs and I like splashed water in my face. I was like, "Come on, you got to get ready. You got to get in the zone right now." So I was, I was honing in to to get ready for this interview. So I'm really excited. You, you
1: didn't uh, mention I, there was like Rocky music coming from your office before this too. I have like, the Tiger was what blaring. What is going on over there? I think
0: there's a couple. I think there's a couple holes in my office right yeah. now in the wall from where I was, where I was getting pumped. <laughs> So this this last message uh, was was embrace and run, and we heard about a lot of different exciting things that are going on in our church between groups and mission Haiti, which is a big piece of our outreach. But specifically on the on the embrace piece, where we kind of started in the message, um, we talked about groups, and I'd just be curious to hear you talk about um, you know why is it important to be embraced by other people? You know, we have these groups. Why is it important to allow ourselves to be embraced and be embraced by other people and be around other people?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. Uh, Just to kind of lay it out, so the four parts of our our vision statement are encounter, compassion, embrace, run. Uh, We want to encounter the living God. We want to be received with compassion. And the third part, as you mentioned, is embrace. And I I just want to mention this really quick. I love how compassion is followed by embrace, we are welcomed and received right where we are but the embrace part is god please change us we're welcomed right where we are but we don't want to stay there we want to become more like you and when we're embraced by god we are no longer the same person instead god changes us and we can be changed any place in a worship service even during this time right now god can work in our in our lives we can when we're singing in a car god can change us but so one of the best place that happens is within groups and really being surrounded by other people who are running in the same direction that we are. And so your question, like, why is it so important to not only be embraced by God, but embraced by others really as a representation of God? I think we just, we are as human beings, we need tangible things. And, and people are that. And, and, and just all throughout the Bible, there's this importance of one another, confess to one another, love one another, encourage one another. And there's this constant, we, I, I kind of mentioned um, becoming the father to those around us. And when we're in groups, that's what can take place when there's another person who can speak into us, who can speak truth into the lies that we're believing, who can pray for us, someone that we can just ask a question. Hey, I'm reading through this Bible verse. What do you think this means to you? It best happens in community. And groups are not the silver bullet to community, uh, but they're a huge step in the right direction. And they're just this, this stepping stone, hopefully, that leads to d- deeper intimacy with other people. So that's kind of a long
0: answer. No, I think it's a great answer though because w- within that context you're talking about all the the one another statements right yeah and and we do we learn from one another in a special way, so in a lot of ways, this is the discipleship element I mean how do you see discipleship taking place within groups
1: yeah just it, it can look so many different ways we each each even like this fall semester. I know we're offering a women women's group that, that's jumping into what does it mean to be a woman of God. It's going to be awesome. It's at Sertoma. Um, the group that I'm leading on Monday nights at 57th Street, we're d- jumping into the book of Philippians. And so there's going to be a teaching time for 15 minutes and then we're breaking into groups to discuss more of what we heard and more about that, that specific chapter from Philippians. Then we have a, uh, an Alpha course at 57th Street as well that's walking through the foundations of the faith. So there's different materials um, that we can go into. And, and, so, and maybe you're like, gosh, marriage is the area. So it's like being able to pick and choose what areas you feel like you need to grow in and then doing that, not by yourself, but doing it with a group of people walking through it with a group of people, discussing it with a group of people, whether it's the marriage, being able to be encouraged by in your marriage by someone else's marriage. So that's kind of the discipleship end of it. And I feel like discipleship is one of those things that no church really has figured out. Again, that's not the silver bullet to discipleship, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Learning the foundations of the faith, learning how to read through a book of Philippians, learning how to grow my marriage, learning how God has wired me and learning more about the Enneagram and how I can use those gifts that I've been given and then doing it in community and, and having other people around you. And my hope has always been from the groups is that it's much more than just the group time. You know, during the week, it that's, that group of people becomes the people. Hey, would you pray for this for me? That group of people. Hey, we're going to go to a movie. Would you guys want to come out? Uh, hey, on Friday on Friday night, Becky and I went out for supper with a couple that was a part of our of, of our small group, and we haven't met all summer long, and yet we ended up uh, we talked. We had three questions. There was uh, Jenny Allen has a, a thing that she posts on her Instagram questions to ask with your close friends. Nice. And the first question was, how are you feeding your? soul how are you feeding your flesh kind of the negative like what are you doing like that's not good and then how are you feeding others
0: so you're you're, you're close with this couple because those mm -hmm. are like those are deep dive questions for for dinner time (laughs) but they
1: we got to that place because of our group like we would have we would have never had that we would have never had that community we would have never even though it's um a couple that i've learned i've known for quite a while it was because of that group that we had that community long after that group even exists. And so, gosh, even the other night, I felt like all four of us were discipling one another. You would never say that going out to eat with couples and talking through three questions is discipleship, and yet I would say that's actually exactly what discipleship is. Yeah, I think is. it absolutely is. Like, how are you growing? Uh, Andy Stanley talks. I feel like he's got a great um, talk on discipleship and, and really pouring leadership into others. He always says... Take what you have in your cup and pour it into the next person's cup. That's all you got to do. That's what leadership is. That's what discipleship is. Taking what you have in your cup right now, what you already know, your experiences, and just pouring them into someone else's cup. So that took place the other night uh, with with the four of us eating. Yeah because of that initial group that we were a part of, where we were doing that every single week. That's that's hopefully what it looks like best. Um, but that does not su- sum up discipleship. We were talking before this. I think uh, the other day, um, Becky took a picture. I was mowing our lawn, and our four-year-old has his fake plastic lawnmower, and he was going right behind me.
0: Was it one of the ones that like makes a ton of obnoxious sounds? It does. So it's probably nice that the mower like, drowned oh, I out. I, could, I couldn't <laughs> hear it at all. It's
1: got like, the popping thing where like, yes. balls are flying inside his plastic <laughs> mower. But she took that picture, and I actually thought about discipleship. Because I think oftentimes what we do with discipleship is uh it, kind of using that analogy usually where it what I feel like we often do is it, we look at a magazine of lawnmowers and it, it's like if I sat with Anderson and I'm like hey this is that lawnmower wouldn't it be cool at some point to push that lawnmower and I think what a better view of 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 discipleship is is what happened the other night instead of looking at a picture of a lawnmower in a magazine actually have an fowl behind me, seeing how I cut around the trees and how I edge the rows. And I think that's such a better picture of what discipleship is. So we have those times where we gather as groups and we get poured into and we learn But hopefully, it's the implementation of those things. It's the conversations over dinner on a Friday night. It's the phone calls. Hey, would you pray for me? I know even Beck and and the other gal that we were with, they often encourage each other throughout the week praying for each other. They're both moms, and so they just have a relationship where they can, hey, I'm kind of struggling with our youngest. Can you pray for me? And so that is really what discipleship is. So we talked about groups on Sunday, but there's so much more than just that. Yeah. And obviously discipleship happens on Sundays. It happens different places, worship nights, but, but best it happens in groups. Um, even, I know there's one group that's looking at going through the message. So they're going to listen to the message and then they have questions on the message to dive in deeper. I know one of the things that's always bothered me on a Sunday I wish we could just hang around for an extra hour, have church go two hours, and after I get done with a message, say, okay, um, let's break into groups right now and let's discuss that. Like, what do you think about that? What did I leave out that, that you have questions about? You know, like, what have you, what's your understanding of, the, of those verses that I read? And they might be different than what I just said. And so uh, that's discipleship.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, so th- this is fun. You mentioned the story about your son, Anderson. And. Yeah. This last Sunday, you talked about taking the classic school picture in front of the house, but you felt like maybe you, you didn't do it quite right because you didn't have the the card that had the the goals for the children for the next 20 years <laughs> of their lives, and I love that. So I have to ask, if you rewind time back to, like, third grade oh fourth gosh. grade Adam Weber Cook
1: elementary school
0: what are those what are those 20-year goals for third or fourth grade Adam Weber <laughs>
1: oh my gosh I think uh, at that point I would have said to become an eye doctor I got glasses when I was in kindergarten and uh, I actually told this to an eye doctor on Sunday I was totally in on being an eye doctor until until I heard that you had to work with cadavers in college or something like that. And I'm like, I actually don't think God has called (laughs) me to be. I'm like, I think I'm not supposed to do that anymore. But I think it would have said eye doctor, want to talk to as many people as I can. I always got dinged on my report cards for talks to others during class. So it would have been to try to make as many friends as I possibly could. So eye doctor, make friends, have lots of fun <laughs> I doctor or an electrician my dad was an electrician I always thought that was really cool that he could do things with his hands and so that's what mine would have probably said so hopes to graduate from high school someday maybe put that on there too Yeah, <laughs> so, I think my, what year would, would have
0: said I think mine would have been uh, like first and foremost uh, become a rock star and then <laughs> my goal for <laughs> school would have been to then not have to go to school anymore <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be the thing I was the exact exact same kid. I think at one point in my life I was having like weekly parent conferences because I talked so much during class. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe uh, my parents goals for me probably would have been a lot different than that. But
1: <laughs> I can remember my parents sitting down with me and saying, "Adam, you have to stop talking to others in school." And I thought I'd actually improve greatly. Obviously, my teacher did not agree. <laughs> so, that's terrible.
0: <laughs> there we go. So uh, another another huge piece this last Sunday was uh, run. That's yes. kind of the last piece of our of our the four pieces of embraces vision. That's run, and we talked about we talked about the way that we run overseas through outreach. But I, I'll, I'll be honest in my mind, one of the things I immediately go to is just kind of the scariness of that run element because there's people in my. In my city right next to me, the, the homeless, people who might be going through a tough time, and if I'm, just being, if I'm just being real, sometimes my inclination is to run the opposite way because I know how hard it's going to be to run towards those people. Um, I'd, I'd just love to hear you talk more about that run aspect.
1: Yeah, so we, we mentioned, like as you just said, some of the kind of global things we're doing with Mission Haiti and even locally with the Adoption adoption Fund. And so those are some things that we do church-wide. One of the things that I've loved about Embrace, and we have nothing figured out, instead of creating a lot of ministries to do things, I think traditionally what we see is, gosh, I have a call to help single moms. And then we go to the church and are like, hey, church staff, you should care for single moms. And one of the things that, and I think this is a part of discipleship, actually. One of the things we've said is, gosh, I want to encourage you. I actually think you have heard from God to care for single moms, but I actually think God's calling you to go care for single moms. And so how can we equip you to go care for single moms instead of kind of taking that ministry and almost pawning it off on somebody else? It's like, I really have this burden. Can you go do this for me? It's like, no, actually, you have this burden from God. You go. And, and so that's something I've always really appreciated that we haven't created all these ministries. Instead, we've really empowered people just to go and do it and give them permission. Because I think a lot of times it's like, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm so insignificant. No, you're not. You have all kinds of gifts and skill sets. And so I think there it, it is scary. And oftentimes it's easier to go to a far-off country like Haiti than it is to help someone right beside you. You know, sometimes it's easier to to love Jesus in Haiti and love Jesus on Sunday within the walls of a church, but really that Monday through Saturday in our quote normal lives. That's where it's the hardest, and yet that's where we're called to be Jesus the most—to love the person right in front of us. Is is love your neighbor? It's the person right in front of you, whoever that is. And so, um, and this is probably a passion area of mine. And maybe it's because I'm a high extrovert. I kind of <laughs> I usually tend to walk towards the awkward, no fear, just to like, okay, this is seems like strange. Let's walk towards it. But I I just want to encourage us. To begin each day praying for eyes to see like God sees to pray looking for opportunities. I'm going to quote Andy Stanley again. Uh, He talks about doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. If you do everything for everyone, you'll become burnt out. You'll be a shell of a person. You'll run on empty. And if you do nothing for no one, you'll become self-righteous. You'll become ineffective. You'll become prideful and set apart in a negative sort of way. But if you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, Andy Stanley would say, that just might change the world. And I I, thought, I can remember hearing that four or five years ago and really being challenged. And, and every day, beginning to pray, God, would you give me eyes to see? Would you give me opportunities to serve someone? Whether it's small, like opening up a door. Whether it's listening to someone that I don't really want to listen to, but I know they need someone to listen to them. Um, whether it's helping someone out. The other day, I was at Cafea Downtown Sioux Falls uh, a fellow came up in a in a wheelchair, and everything in me wanted to ignore him and not make eye contact and just work on my computer. And I just heard God say, uh, you might want to say hello to him. Mm, and yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, but I got stuff to do. Uh, Adam, you might want to say hello to him. So I lifted my head, and I, I engaged him before he could engage me. And I think he was almost shocked that I didn't try to ignore him. Um, he looked rough. He, you know, He was missing one of his legs. I mean, not a guy that was is it this contagious person that you'd want to talk to? I ended up saying hello. We small talked and his name's Randolph. I've seen him a couple times since. Sometimes he's, I've seen him probably four or five times since a couple of times, um, was heavily intoxicated. And yet, um, I, God just gave me a heart for him. And so the, uh, the one day he, he, he said, Hey, I need a bus pass to get back to my house. And so I said, R- really? And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I want to get home. And I said, okay, um, I'll walk with you to the bu- bus station. So we walked, talked. He told me about his dad who passed away. He told me about how he lost his leg. He uh, I, he was out drinking and he fell asleep and he got frostbit so bad it took his leg. And so ended up making this connection with Randolph and just gave me. I just had a heart for him. He found out I was a pastor. The next time I saw him, um, he actually bowed his head and asked me to bless him, and mm. in the street and. um just even in that moment it, it was it challenged me outside of my comfort zone it you know it challenged my schedule and yet i really felt like god was calling me to do that in that specific moment that was one, one do for one what i wish i could do for everyone and so maybe it's something like like you know a guy who's who's homeless or struggling financially but it might just be your coworker that you need to help move across town you know they're moving nobody's they don't even ask you who wants to help someone move that's like the worst thing ever <laughs> like i hate moving myself i hope the next time i move i either move into a nursing home or to be with jesus and either way i'm not moving my own
0: stuff Pe- people say that you have to be like Multiple levels of friendship down the road before you ask someone to help you move. <laughs> yes, basically, it's yes. like like you have to have this this badge of long term friendship to yes. ask you <laughs> ask me something to do so horrible, so with my horrible.
1: Time. <laughs> but even just that. But even even maybe there's a friend that you need to forgive. Yeah, and say hey, and you need to initiate and say I'm sorry with no expectation that they're going to say hey I'm sorry too. Um, what does it look like to radically love people like Jesus? Like you hurt me, I'm talking well of you. Um, just looking for ways that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. So sometimes it's doing something physically. Other times it's just our attitude and showing kindness to someone. And, and that is where uh, we just, we become the father. Like Henry now, and I use that quote, after spending time with the father, we become the father to those around us. That's the aroma of Christ. When we have joy, that's unexplainable. When we have peace and there's just this calmness to us, when there's kindness, when we just are quick to serve those are the things that people take note of. When we begin to treat people like Randolph, like they're a VIP, like they're somebody that could help us, even though there's physically nothing he could do for me, when we begin to do that, uh, people take notice, not just Randolph, but the people around Randolph begin to take notice, and they begin to see Jesus inside of us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I my wife, my wife Allison, was a part of a church for a while, but where before you could actually go on an overseas mission trip, you had to serve locally three times beforehand. That always stood out to me so much because it's like when you do, when you understand that heart of service locally, it, it dramatically affects the way you view it when you serve overseas. That's and, incredible. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, that that always stuck out to me so much, and I I love what you said about you know just right where you are. What are you passionate about? There was a a, a church I know where a, a men's group actually, they started getting together. They all had a lot of car know how. Yeah, they were essentially the exact opposite of me. Where yeah, I'm like, what's the, the flux capacitor on that V8 bad boy there. Um, <laughs> not, not really sure on any of that <laughs> stuff. But they had a lot of car know how. So w- I mean, without asking the church, without going to again going to someone like, hey, can we start this? They just started repairing cars and then giving them away for free to single moms who needed a vehicle. I love it. And I just thought that was such a powerful thing. So when we understand how to serve locally, we can go overseas, and when we go overseas, I know that you have some um, experience in Haiti. You've, You've been over to Haiti. We talked about that on Sunday as well. And you hear people all the time say that uh, going on a mission trip like that changes you, changes your heart. There's something amazing that happens there. I'd just be curious to hear you dive deeper into. I mean, yeah. what does that look like? How are you changed by going on an overseas mission trip?
1: Oh, such a good question. And and really to even explain the trips that we take. So I've been I've been to Haiti twice now, and both times we actually don't go there and build stuff. We don't go. And I'm not saying anything negative. If that's a trip that you've taken we have nothing figured out folks. So this is not the way to do it. It's just how we've done it. We don't go over there and build stuff. Basically, we don't go over to be be the savior. We go over there to build relationships. Like it's a that's one thing I love about our partnership with Mission Haiti. It's been 7 years now of us building relationships and actually knowing people who are boots on the ground in Haiti. So we go there for relationships to help lead things like vacation Bible school, to help teach teachers how to teach in their classrooms, to help with medical stuff stuff. Very limited of like actually building stuff and doing the work and being kind of this we're gonna come and save you and build your country up. No, we want to help come alongside of what God is doing there and help just fan the flames to what God's doing there. But but the change, it's it's so true. The impact that we have on them is tiny compared to the impact that they and God have on us. And I think this is true. This is something um, that one of the other pastors and I have talked about quite a bit. Anytime you can get out of your own setting, God somehow meets in a unique way. When you get out of your own comfort zone, I've been looking at trying to do a men's retreat, even just 10 miles out of town, because I know when you get a group of men out of their normal, there's something special that happens. So true. And the same, it's even like kids going to camp. There's something powerful. When you get away, you go to the Black Hills, and God meets you there. The same is true in Haiti. When you get out of your normal and, and I think for me, it always expands my perspective on who God is. It's like, wow, there's this entire country of people that I had no idea in reality existed. You know, I knew there's a country called Haiti. I didn't know there was people in Haiti. And so I think there's something just about that that like kind of turns our world upside down. But just getting away, it's, it's that community again. The, the teams that go over, they become BFFs. When they get back it's like so we're going to hang out like right and it's like what when you when, okay. you, when you when you sweat
0: that so when you sweat that much together you're bonded for yeah. i think a long time after
1: <laughs> it's like we didn't move houses together but we did sweat a lot yes, just like exactly. we did move across town yeah. but it, it's so true that it's just that community that takes place and you have conversations that happen um, you see things that you've never seen before. Um, you know, kind of paired with worshiping God and worshiping in a different way in the church in Haiti. It, it just all of that is a recipe for life change. And when you come back, it throws you out of your motion. All of a sudden you're like, man, do I really want to buy a bigger house? Like maybe I could use those resources for someone other than me, not even just in Haiti, but for the person down the street, it just throws your motion. And all of a sudden, like talking about those five-year goals that you have for your cards, like Mm -hmm. the kids hold all of a sudden your card totally changes. And all of a sudden, one of the things you add is I want to help people. It's like, well, that was never on my card that I held for class. I just want to help people. And you begin to think differently about the here and now, Um, And and really, again, my hope would be that it wouldn't just be something that changes like, I want to help more in Haiti. Hopefully that's the case. Yes. I mean, we're building a second school in there. But hopefully, again, back to that day to day, I want to help other people right here. I want to mentor a kid in Sioux Falls. I want to invite someone to my dinner table that I wouldn't normally invite to my dinner table. I want to serve my coworker who used to just annoy the crap out of me. Like I, I want to genuinely care for them. And I think that's part of God changing us and making more like more, us more like him.
0: Yeah. I, th- I always think about, you know, just the very beginning of purpose driven life with Rick Warren, the very first thing he just says, it's not about you. Oh It's not about you. And that, that perspective shift is such a, such a cool thing. So my, my, my last question here is I, we've, we've gotten some really cool video updates and things from Haiti, and you see those kids rocking on the soccer field out there. When you were there, did you just get completely schooled in soccer by those kids?
1: Oh, soccer, pretty much anything. <laughs> Actually, the one funny story, so where our school is located is up a ginormous mountain. Okay. And so even the video we showed of like them hauling water and like cement mix from the base of the mountain – it would kill you and I. We'd both have heart
0: attacks. And the, like... the CrossFit workout of our lives.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So I'll never forget it. The first team I went with, it was all fairly athletic people. People had played some high school, college sports, whatever. I mean, all of us were in good, relatively good shape. There, all we had was our backpacks on us. There was a little Haitian boy with us that was probably eight or nine years old, and he had a five-gallon bucket full of grain so not a heavy not a light thing and not an easy thing to carry one you almost want two buckets to weigh you out like to balance you out he had one bucket he would get so far ahead of us that he would stop set his bucket down wait for the americans to get up to him then he'd give us this look like oh my gosh He'd pick up his bucket and he'd start walking as we took a break and like downed as much water as we physically could. I mean, not just on the soccer field. I'm like, that kid who is a fraction of our age is looking at us like you are the laziest people I've ever seen.
0: So maybe, maybe another part of the heart change of a mission trip is you will be humbled. Oh my greatly.
1: gosh. <laughs> one of the gal one of the gals with played college softball. And she's like, I have never felt so embarrassed <laughs> in my life, and wow. I can't change it. Like, I I physically can't keep up with this kid. Yeah, <laughs> just like start walking, wait for us with his bucket. We'd get up to him and like almost want to pass out. He'd grab his bucket and keep going. It was crazy. So we got schooled in many different ways.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam. Oh, thank you. It's been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in with us.